Hi, welcome to Unleash Ministries podcast, where Pastor Nathan Sanford will guide us through daily Bible studies, prophetic revelations, and life-changing encounters with the Father's love. Join us for near daily content as we dive into the Word of God. Hey guys, welcome back. We're going to jump right into 1 Peter 2. 21. So the reason I took a little bit the last podcast to kind of explain that to preface this is to kind of paint sort of the three ways, at least in the last hundred years, that the body of Christ has looked at suffering. And it's, I think in these coming days, going to become paramount that we have a proper understanding of suffering. I think the lens by which we, we see trial, the lens by which we see pain um, is just tremendously important. So let me just let me just draw a parallel before we get into the actual word here. But I want to just get us to understand something that like, um, OK, w- there's been a lot of talk the last certainly the last 20 years about worldviews. And it's been a big deal. Like it's kind of spread through, and I know because we do homeschool, so it's kind of spread through the Christian homeschool group. It's sort of spread through, um, you know, a lot of more conservative Christian circles, the whole idea of worldviews. And, you know, it's really good because um, basically what we're seeing is an entirely different worldview that's devoid of the scriptures and devoid of God. That's kind of taken a hold of this generation. So why am I bringing this up? Well, the reason I'm bringing this up is this. We uh, essentially, if, if you think of a worldview like this, if you think of a way, we think of a worldview again as sort of the way you view the world, which is, <laughs> yeah, duh, right? A worldview <laughs> is the way you view the world. It's like, this is the paradigm by which you see and understand reality. So how you see and understand reality and therefore process, you know, the information coming at you will vastly affect how you feel, how you think, and how you act. And these are hugely important. So, of course, what we've had in our culture now is that if you, in fact, believe that you're just an amoeba who has had billions or millions or whatever years of evolution that now you're a human being and there is no God. And in fact, you're just a cosmic accident and you're really just molecules bouncing around. If you view all of reality through that lens, you have now essentially um, everything that comes at you, if you're going to be true to that particular worldview, is completely meaningless. Like it doesn't, nothing matters. Like, so there's no morality, right? Because if you were to go kill somebody, um, that's absolutely no different than giving an old lady a bouquet of flowers to bless her day. There's no moral difference between killing someone and, and giving them flowers. It's exactly the same thing because it's just molecules bouncing around in a different way. So do you see how your worldview is tremendously important? So, so how you view reality, how you process reality um, is huge. And worldviews come down to like, who is God? 
or is there a God? How do you view that God? And then um, other things uh, that have to do with like, what are human beings and how do you view human beings? And then the other one, and one of the biggest ones is suffering. And it's kind of like, how do we view suffering? How do we process suffering? Because I don't, like most people don't need a theology on how to process being blessed. You know, like, you know, it's not like, like God comes and heals you of every disease, delivers you of every emotional struggle and gives you a billion dollars. It's not like people go, man, that, I don't know how to, you know, that was so difficult. Like, I don't know how to process that. I mean, you might not know how to process it in terms of that would be tremendous blessings all in a row, but most people don't need help getting through good times. Like this is not (laughs) typically, and I can tell you as somebody who has counseled thousands of people literally over the last 20 years um, and sat across from people in my office, you know, many, many, many people, um, most people, uh, I don't remember actually anybody uh, coming in to me <laughs> and saying, you know, things are just like freaking awesome. Um, they're going so well. I just don't know what to do. Like, I mean, m- maybe occasionally I had somebody come in and, and things really were going well and they honestly were almost scared. Like I've never had things go this well in my life and I don't even know how to do it. You know, I'm so used to struggle. Um, that may have been something I had a few times, but, but, you know, people don't specifically seek you out unless they're really, really hurting, like they're struggling. So they're going through something deep and hard and they feel stuck and they can't get out of it. And so how we process and understand suffering is, 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 is huge. I mean, it's one of the biggest, um, things that we need to understand about reality. And then we also have to understand suffering both in Christ and outside of Christ. So if you're, if you have someone who isn't a believer, um, their suffering is going to be viewed and processed much, much differently than somebody who is a believer. So somebody who's entered into eternal covenant with the living God, that person will have a very different or, or should have a very different way and understanding of suffering where somebody who hasn't entered into covenant is going to have a very different view. But my, my issue, I think, that I, I have and I see over and over again is really kind of the three paradigms. And if you haven't listened, you'll have to listen to the podcast prior to this one, um, speaking of suffering specifically. But I kind of talked about the three kind of main ways that the body of Christ has has understood suffering. And, and I'm not trying to be critical, but I'm just trying to be honest. I think each one of them is woefully inadequate in even coming close to how we should understand suffering. So every suffering scripture when viewed through one of those lenses, and I won't go over them again in detail at all here, but just to mention like the first lens is like, we should never suffer as Christians in any way. And if you are, it's because you just haven't said the right things or done the right things or pushed the right buttons. Um, So essentially anything bad happening to you is your fault um, that you're not doing everything right or an attack of the enemy. But even an attack of the enemy is because you haven't done it right. Um, The second paradigm is kind of like uh yeah, we see God, you know, people suffer, but don't worry, kind of like God will use it um, for your good, uh, sort of kind of wishy-washy way of looking at it. And then the third and another extreme version is what you find in a lot of Pentecostal and charismatic circles, especially uh, lately. Um, and that's the whole idea that God sends suffering in order to like refine your character or something like that. Like basically God sends suffering to make you a better person. So Depending on which one of those lenses or maybe a combination of those lenses that you have on, you're going to read scripture that has to do with suffering or honestly, it'll taint 
how you read scripture, period. But especially when it comes to passages having to do with suffering, like the one that we're about to read. So if, if you're reading um, the scripture that we're about to read and the one having this having to do with suffering, depending on which lens you have, it is absolutely going to taint like how you understand uh, this passage and any passage having to do with suffering. So what I wanted to do, again, I'm not saying I, I don't believe anybody can be like 100% impartial with somehow 100% revelation who's going to get it right every time. I mean, I'm going to get it wrong. You're going to get it wrong. Everybody's going get to it, get it wrong some of the time. Like sometimes we're going to read the scripture and we're going to get a, an understanding that isn't perfect, isn't exactly how, how you know, it, we should be interpreting and understanding it. I totally get that. But all that having been said, I just want to say that I've, I've worked very, very, very hard to try and make sure that this issue of suffering is seen from, especially when you're reading the scriptures, from the proper perspective and through the proper lens. And I've worked very hard. In fact, I've dedicated, I think, probably the last five years of my life trying to make sure that the way I saw suffering was proper. I, I really think that our worldview in terms of suffering is huge. Again, your worldview in terms of all these issues is huge. And we talk about worldviews, about like how you understand God and, and reality obviously affects your whole life and how you process everything in the direction of your life and how you make sense of your life, like all this stuff. So how important is it how we view suffering? I, and I honestly think obviously how we view suffering is important anytime and any place throughout all Christian history. But I think that how we view suffering now and in the future is going to be even more paramount. And I <clears throat> I hesitate to say this like this, but I, I, I really think this is what we're we're gonna see. And I don't want to say this because I don't but I don't know how else to say it. Um it's basically that there have been a tremendous amount of seeds sown in unrighteousness, meaning there has been a lot and still continues to be acts, meaning people doing things that are and believing things that are such an affront to the kingdom of God, some of them done in ignorance and some of them done purposefully and willfully. But there has been so much sown that there comes a time where it's like it, it can't just not not manifest. Like eventually, if the gospel in the kingdom isn't poured out in such a way that it blasts all of this away and washes it clean. And we see massive harvest and so many people turning to the Father's love, which I do believe is coming, by the way, as well. But what I'm saying is without that, people will reap what they're sowing. Without the gospel and the power of the kingdom of God and the power of the love of the Father, people are going to reap what, what they've sown. And if we don't like have an understanding of that, especially as believers, I don't know what, you know, we're going to have to come forward with an understanding and an offering of that. And if persecution does increase, you know, if we end up in a time where the perse persecution of believers actually enters into to a realm that we're seeing in other parts of the world, or certainly, or even the realm that they saw in the first century, which was just crazy, which is, of course, the situation that first Peter he's addressing is the neuronic persecution, the persecution under Rome, which was severe. Um, if we enter into that, we're going to have to understand suffering. So, um, you know, just so you don't. So before we jump into this, I want everyone to understand, like there's not, uh, you know, suffering is part of the human experience. And the reason that it is, is because of sin, like straight up. So let's just understand that all suffering has its root 
um, in sin at some level. So it doesn't mean you sinned and now are reaping that sin, although that does happen. But it does mean sin in some way has affected you. So it could just be, you know, we are in a world where sin has been introduced and sown. And of course, lately at like monumental levels. And so when that happens, suffering increases because my dad used to say sin is its own punishment. And it, oftentimes that's the truth. I mean, you know, you can, we are, we have, I was talking to my wife this morning and we were talking about how much human ingenuity and human wisdom and human invention has essentially found a way around a lot of suffering. So in other words, like we have a lot of drugs and we have a lot of treatments. And by the way, praise God for some of these drugs and treatments. I'm not saying they're all, they're all bad or anything like that. I'm just saying that we've come up with unique and creative ways to mitigate, um, you know, the, the, the reaping of sin, you know? <laughs> so, I mean, let me just give you an example. Like, um, it used to be like, if you were to sleep around a lot, um, you know, chances are, if you're a woman, you're going to get pregnant and then, then you're going to have the issue of having a child, um, which is, is obviously a blessing and an awesome thing. But at the same time, you know, it can be quite challenging and cause a massive change in your life where you're going to have to grow and change in a lot of ways. But also, if you're sleeping around a lot, you you have a high likelihood of of getting a disease that before in, in times past would have been sometimes debilitating or, or even lethal. Um, of course, the AIDS virus we know is fairly recent, but there's others, um, STDs that have gone untreated can actually um, really cause permanent damage to people. And, and again, this is just simply the result of sin. Like if, if no one were to have sex outside marriage ever, then these things simply would never be an issue. Like they, they would go away, but because people do it spreads it, but human ingenuity has found a way to mitigate basically the results of that. So we have drugs to treat AIDS. And by the way, I think that's good. I mean, I'm not saying we shouldn't have drugs to treat AIDS. I think that's great. I'm just saying that this is something that we see. So what we have in our culture is people don't experience necessarily the the results of sin. They don't experience, like my dad said, sin being its own punishment. They don't really experience it right away. And then sometimes it takes, you know, 20, 30, 40 years for it to really manifest. And by that time, people's hearts are so hard that almost, I'm not saying everybody, I've just seen this be the case, that they're, it's like they... They don't even care. Like their hearts are so hard. They're, they're so angry. Like it doesn't even bother them anymore. Like whatever the sin is going on. So all that just to say that, um, we need to understand suffering and, and, and it's a result of sin and this kind of stuff. Again, not, not just like sometimes there's other uh, things that happen, but, um, but almost always suffering is the result of sin, yours or someone else's. And most of the suffering, and you're also going to see it here in this scripture, and I want you to understand this, is like there's been this idea that the suffering that we read about in, under the New Covenant in the New Testament is somehow equated with someone's deep emotional turmoil. Like it's so weird. I've, I've heard people say this all the time, like people that have this deep emotional turmoil. So it could be like self-hatred, depression, anxiety, just a deep emotional nightmare, you know, that some people live. And then they, and they're believers and they love Jesus. And then they somehow go, well, this is now the suffering that I read about in the New Testament. So praise God, I get to pick up my cross daily, which is one of the uh, scriptures they like to quote, or they'll, they'll quote like, um, you know, pick up your cross and follow me. Um, or, or Paul, I die daily, you know, so they, they equate this like internal emotional disaster with somehow this is like um, New Testament suffering. And as you'll find, and you'll also find here 
that the suffering that and I'm trying to even rack my brain for a different example. Um, almost all the suffering, including this one here, in, under the new covenant, it's not some deep internal turmoil. In, in fact, your heart should be filled with joy and freedom and love. I mean, righteousness, peace, and joy, right, in the Holy Spirit is what the kingdom is all about. So our internal world should be filled with righteousness, peace, and joy, like all the time and bursting with love. And if it isn't, then there's something is not right, like something is off. It's not an indication that something is right. And so, so sometimes you hear these teachings on suffering, like, if you're a complete emotional disaster and feel horrible all the time, like they're like, well, well, that means something's right because you're suffering for Jesus or he's refining your character or something like that. And I'm like, that just isn't biblical. I mean, that, that really isn't biblical. It's like, yes, you might suffer like Peter and John. You might be thrown in prison. You might be beaten. You might be whipped. You might have all your stuff taken from you, which is what happened to these people. You might have just awful, awful things happen. Um, but in their case, once again, it was all happening because of persecution from non-believers um, or sometimes persecution from confused, angry, or not God-hearted so-called believers. But in any case, it's persecution from the outside in, not from the inside out. So um, I just want you guys all to understand that because it's really important how we view this stuff. That when, if you're struggling in this internal hatred and turmoil, it's, it's probably not a sign that you're suffering for Jesus, um, unless that internal turmoil is a result of attack. And again, the enemy can attack, you know, for sure. Obviously you can be getting attacked by the enemy and it will feel awful. I mean, the attacks from the enemy don't feel good, at least not in my experience. Like they usually feel pretty bad. So you can get it, be getting attacked from the enemy and that can cause that internal turmoil. Um, and that could be part of following Jesus. Like you're going after Christ. And so therefore you're being attacked by the enemy. And it could cause some of this uh, hurt and turmoil. But I guess I just don't want us to fall into the trap. So I want to be balanced here, you know. So sometimes you might have an internal turmoil that for sure is caused by an enemy attack or, or you know, something bad is happening in your life. So, so there is attack, there is persecution or something hard going on. And it's contributing to this internal struggle that you're having. And, that, and that's when we have to choose joy. And that's when we have to choose life. And that's when we have to come before the Lord and say, God, you're, you know, I worship you. I praise you, you know, kind of no matter what. So I do understand that. But to somehow say then that all of my emotional turmoil, my inward garbage is somehow me suffering for Christ is, is just not biblically consistent. So let's just be really careful when we do that. So I'm going to jump right into this. Um, we're going to talk about it for a little bit and I'll probably revisit it. But Let's go back. So we left off on 1 Peter 2, verse 20, but we have to go back. And so we would start then in verse 21. But I want to understand what he's talking about. So again, we already talked about this, but let's go back a little farther. So verse 18 to understand verse 21. So servants, be submissive to your masters, which we talked about um, two podcasts ago, with all respect, not only to those who are good and gentle, but also to, to those who are unreasonable. For this finds favor, if for the sake of conscience toward God, a person bears up under sorrows when suffering unjustly. So do you see what he's saying? All, all he's saying here is, look, if you are being kind and awesome and, and beautiful and, and submissive in healthy ways, if you're doing all that and you're suffering, you know, that's awesome, basically, is what he's saying. Like, if your suffering is coming directly because you are actually walking well, he literally says this finds favor with God or for this is favor with God. Um, 
the sake of conscience, a person bears up under sorrows, again, when suffering unjustly. And then he compounds that point by the next line, which is, for what credit is there if when you sin and are harshly treated, you endure with patience? In other words, like, if you're suffering because of your sin, then you're just an idiot. Like, this is not something that we want you to do. Um, I don't mean you're an idiot, but you understand. Like, in other words, if you're suffering for the direct consequences of your sin, he's basically saying, like, what credit is that to you? <laughs> like, in other words, like, of course, you're, if you suffer for stupid things you're doing, then this is like, you know, that sucks. But guess what? You kind of deserve that. <laughs> Essentially, is what he's saying. But, but what he's really saying, the next line, but if when you do what is right and suffer for it, you patiently endure it, this finds favor with God. So, of course, the, what he's trying to say is like believers walking righteously, walking in love, walking, giving God glory, and then suffering. He's like, that's awesome because this finds favor with God. This is a good thing. In other words, and it really boils down to this. Peter's basically saying, I want all of your suffering to be a direct result of your righteous living. In other words, he doesn't want any believer's suffering to come from the fact that they sinned and acted stupidly. So again, very duh kind of a thing. So, but but that's what he's saying. You know, he's saying like I I really think that everyone's this is what first uh, Peter's trying to say is that I really want your suffering, if in fact it comes in your suffering, to come directly from you choosing Jesus. And and so the the key is that we all have to understand that. Sometimes in our life with Christ, choosing Jesus is going to be hard and it's going to cause suffering. And, and I don't just mean like, you know, when you when you bear up under something like I don't just mean like you maybe you get persecuted at work or, you know, whatever the deal is. Like, I don't know, like you're directly persecuted. <laughs> what I mean is sometimes like this is going to sound like a stupid example, but um, it's the only one I could think of at the time being. And I don't mean to make it me sound righteous, but I, this example I could think of that just happened. So um, when we filed our taxes, for instance, um, we filed our taxes and our tax guy only filed with Colorado and not with North Carolina, thinking we'd been here um, or been in North Carolina uh not long enough or, or anyway, thought we were in Colorado the whole time and didn't include North Carolina basically. So because of that, we got like $2,600 um, more back. And I looked at the tax return and I just got excited and was like, hey, sweet, this is a great tax return. Praise God. I'm very excited. Thank you, Lord. And I was about ready to just not say anything and let the check come rolling in. Um, but then I looked more closely and I realized, oh, no, he didn't include North Carolina. And I knew that if he did, that it was going to hurt us. I just knew that if he did. But it, I could have just can, you know, not said anything. But you know what? That would have been wrong. So in, in order to follow Christ, right, to walk in integrity and do the right thing, what I did was I contacted him. And not only did it cost us all that money, so it cost us $2,600, it also cost us another $150 on top of that because we had to pay him more in order to do um, the North Carolina portion. So we had to pay $150 and we lost $2,600. That is, that, that might be a silly kind of suffering, but that's what it's talking about when you're kind of suffering for Christ. 
it doesn't mean you're like screaming Jesus on the street corner and somebody punches you. Like most of the time, what it means is you're walking in integrity. Like you're walk. In other words, you're, you're walking as Christ would walk. You're walking as your new nature demands. You're walking as your new nature um, would compel you to walk. And your new nature is perfect and holy and good. And so therefore, everything you do think and say must line up with perfect holiness and goodness because that's who you are. And sometimes when you walk in that way, it's going to cost you. You know, it's not like everything is always great. You know, so sometimes you're going to suffer as we did. Again, I don't want to say this is some huge suffering. I mean, it's, but to us, you know, that was, that's a lot of money. You know, when you're, when you're like us and you've lived on a pastor salary your whole life and you have no retirement, none of this stuff, like it's a lot of money. And so for us, this is, is suffering. It's hurtful. It hurts, you know, it hurts to be like, send it back and go, ouch, like, you're going to have to fix this and not only am I going to have to pay you 150 more dollars, but we're also going to lose $2,600 on top of that. So, um, my, my only point to you is this, sometimes when you're walking in this kind of holiness and walking with Jesus, like following him, that you're going to end up having suffering as a direct result of it. So, um, by the way, so we're already kind of a time here. So I haven't even gotten into it. So I'm going to make another podcast. The next one will be, and I promise you this time, I promise you ironclad, we'll get to the end of this chapter. So we'll go first Peter two 21 to the, to the end. So, um, I will talk to you guys soon. Hang in there. I'll get this one out real quick and we'll be able to listen to the rest of it. So we'll get to the end of this chapter and we'll begin chapter three. So, um, next, next time again, suffering. And here we go. I'll talk to you guys soon. Thank you for listening to Unleash Ministries podcast. We pray you are blessed and encouraged by an encounter with the Father's love poured out through His Word. If you would desire to bless this ministry financially, please visit www.unleashedchurch.org and click on the Give link. Thank you.